This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Uh, we've had some technical difficulties tonight, but we've got Tony on the other line, and we're going to try to make this work as best we can. So, hello, Tony. How are you doing? Hello, Chad. I hope the um, I hope the audio isn't too awful. But yes, we had a big storm where I am, and for whatever reason now, everything uh, that we need to do our normal uh, setup is messed up. <laughs> and I do not have the uh, technological capability to fix it on my end. So you know, folks, he just says that so he doesn't have to do anything tech related because he gets so tired of doing it all the time. He's the go-to tech guy. Right. He just doesn't want you to know that. It's just like when I, I can't find things in the closet that my wife <laughs> wants me to find. Well, isn't that how it always is? It's, it's right there in front it. of you. You just can't find it. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I, I feel like tonight might be a little serious, um, but I want to start us out with a little bit of a civics lesson, and then we're going to run from there. So let me just play this little civics lesson for everybody. The First Amendment does not give anyone the right to riot. The First Amendment does not give anyone the right to loot. The First Amendment doesn't give anyone the right to burn down buildings. The First Amendment does not give anyone the right to deface property. And it does not give anyone the right to assault private citizens and to assault police officers. The First Amendment, however, does give you the right to peaceably assemble. Sorry, Tony, you were going to say something there? Sorry, did you? I didn't even hear the civics lesson. Oh, I apologize. I apologize. You can't hear that. Uh, that was uh, the presidential spokesperson, Kaylee, uh, telling us you can't, don't have the right to riot. You don't have the right to uh, burn buildings. You don't have the right to loot. You don't have to do all the things that we're told are First Amendment rights uh, by the crowds gathering in major cities. Uh, you have the right to peaceably assemble. That's it. That's the First Amendment right to speak and peaceably assemble, not to destroy everything around you because you feel like it. So what do you, what do you think about that? Is that, is that how things are portrayed right now? Or is it um, the opposite? Are we in the opposite world? Bizarro world, as it were. Uh, you know, like you said, I mean, there are so many things that we need to talk about relating to, okay, this all stems from the, the tragic and incomprehensible death of, of George Floyd, which gave rise to what is now, what, 10, 15 different cities with riots. At least. Um, so there, there are a whole bunch of things that, that anger me about this, that sadden me about this. Of course, I think you and I would both agree that we should start with, with anyone who has watched, um, and it's, it's almost unbearable to watch, the video of Mr. Floyd with that cop on his neck for mm-hmm. – what is it? Eight, nine minutes yeah. with with even o- almost more inexplicable and horrifying as he is he is gasping for breath and saying he can't breathe and begging that you have. What is it? Two or three other cops standing yeah. there yeah. watching this and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing that I, I assume that you and I and I think pretty much every person in the country other than some depraved racist would agree on is that what is depicted in that video is both horrifying and as best as i can tell completely indefensible 
And the family of George Floyd, I, I can't imagine um, the level of heartbreak and rage and sorrow and whatever, whatever other emotions would have been going through them and friends and community watching that. Yeah. I am fully on board with that officer the, and the others who have also now been charged mm -hmm. as in some way complicit uh, being prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I, I, yep. I mean, do you disagree with anything? No, no, I, 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 I don't care what George Floyd did. He didn't deserve to die for what he's been accused of passing a, you know, a counterfeit 20. Uh, he may have been intoxicated. Yeah. He may not have been, he may have been on drugs. He may not have been, he may have had underlying conditions. He may not have, it, it really doesn't matter. The behavior is inexcusable. What I will say is there's two separate so, issues here. One is the officer's oh, behavior. Absolutely. And then there's a reaction of what we're seeing across the country. Now, I will say this, and, and I'm, I'm not defending these four gentlemen. Uh, I want to understand. I don't, I don't think I would react the way they did, either standing complicitly by or putting my knee on somebody's neck. But I want to I be very understanding of where they're coming from to a point. And that being when you're dealing with the public and you're, you're there to try to defuse a situation, there are other methods to do that. I think it's very easy from a police perspective to say force is the easiest thing to go to. And it tends to reduce issues later or at least in the situation, I don't know what I would do in that situation if I was a policeman. I know that you know the statistics I was looking at in in two thousand nine, there were sixty almost sixty three million interactions with police. Sixty three million people interacted with police. Uh, that's a lot of interaction, and you don't have nearly what you're seeing here. But that doesn't mean that every interaction is not violent. Uh, but because of, I mean, if you ever watch the show Cops, there's a lot of violence on that show. And sometimes it's meted out by the police, but a lot of times it's the perpetrator fighting, lashing out. So I, I just want to be clear. You don't know what you're walking into when you walk into a situation. You may be, unfortunately, geared towards violence. And I think we seem surprised, and I've, I've seen this when we talk about soldiers, you seem surprised when people who are taught to be uh, soldier violent and lethal you seem surprised when they're violent and lethal because you think you can just turn it off and on and i think the police i think sometimes it's really hard for them to do that because that's the life they live and i think yeah, it, i mean and i, I gravitate I, toward that personality type in some cases well i well i i agree with that and we could talk later and maybe another show about mm -hmm. i mean there's so many issues here about sure um i i also think that that most people have no grasp about what the day-to-day -day existence is of a, a police officer, a patrol officer, mm -hmm. in not in not in where we live, right, but in places like New York City and Detroit and Oakland, and uh, let's let's be real, in the places in this country where crime is a constant, mm -hmm. where where every around every street corner you're possibly going to be attacked violently. You're, you're, you're taking your life into your hands, most of these officers, mm -hmm. in certain areas where they are patrolling. Yes. But, so that, and we can talk about that. And that doesn't excuse what happened. That, I, that, I'm not saying that at all. No, no, no. It, it's not an excuse. The other point that you made about a certain attitude, 
I agree with that. But that video doesn't even involve, for instance, let's say a a reflexive. Um, mm-hmm. I'm applying maximum force when I feel threatened in sort of an immediate type of response, right? Right. This is a guy who is just sitting on a guy's neck mm-hmm. uh, with with no with no threat in range, right? He's got other cops around him mm-hmm. for for eight nine minutes as someone is is begging and saying he can't breathe. Sure. So that doesn't even really apply in no, terms it of doesn't. well, they're conditioned to react perhaps more aggressively and more violently to perceived threats than the average person. That doesn't even pertain. Well, so, I, I so think you that and I, you and I like, like, hmm? I just, I think it's their perception of aggression. Isn't necessarily my perception of aggression. You know, I, I think what, what's the old, what's the old adage. If, if you're a, a, a nail, everything looks like, or if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If you're a cop, everybody looks like they're bad news and you, you tend to treat them that way. It doesn't mean it's true. It just means your perception of reality yeah. is a little different than the rest of us. Not, not okay. Just but ultimately, definitely different. Ultimately you and I, cause, cause here's what I want to do. I want to establish certain things that I think you and I both agree on. Mm-hmm. And then I want to talk about some things that we're, we're apparently not allowed to talk about, but I'm going to talk about anyway. <laughs> All right. So, okay. so, so you and I, you and I, I think like almost every, um, American who has watched that video or learned about what happened are repulsed and horrified by what happened to that man, regardless of any other. There are no extenuating circumstances that make that okay. Are yes. we agreed on that? I agree. Yes. Right. And 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 we are also agreed. I think that there needs to be swift, meaning the process should play out. And again, this is going to go in front of a jury ultimately, but. This man needs to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, as do those who stood idly by based on whatever the criminal statute is that permits their prosecution. Right. And, I, and I wholly support um, a, a lengthy sentence for them. Um, so, so there's no disagreement about that. Let me ask you another question because I think we agree on this. Do you agree that racism still exists in America? Sure. And I think it exists on both Absolutely. sides, both sides of that divide. Sure, but let's just and so let's just focus for, for, for purposes of what we're discussing this evening. I I fully uh, endorse the fact that there is racism directed to people of African American descent mm-hmm. uh, every day in this country in, mm-hmm. in in large ways and small ways. That is something that is never going to be eradicated, and in fact, in certain areas of the country, um, there are probably even uh, there's more of that going on. And, and in fact, because you and I are both white, mm-hmm. um, we have never experienced that type of racism based on the color of our skin uh, for, for basically our entire lives. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to be a black person in this country today. I, cause I'm not, I, I can't imagine what they go through. And I don't, I don't know if it's as overt as it once was. I'm sure in certain places it is. Uh, is there subtle racist attitudes? I am certain there are, and I am certain that I don't experience it in the same way uh, that they could uh, on a daily basis. So, yes. Right. So so we agree about all those things. And let me just add a fourth one uh, so that, we, that we're clear 
on on the things that we believe because mm-hmm. I find when I discuss these issues, people tend to try to twist um, – when, when you have, let's say, the things that we're about to discuss that are unpopular and shall not be spoken, <laughs> they try to twist you, what your attitudes are about all manner of things. And so I want it to be very clear. I also believe that there are still effects in our society, in our culture um, that potentially may never go away. I think that they have greatly diminished, but nevertheless, from from this nation's history, where African Americans at one point in time were not only slaves, but in the not too distant past, right, leading up to the civil rights era of the 1960s, African Americans, and and let's be clear about this, by a directive, by the force of law, right, mm-hmm. by the United States government, were treated as second class citizens mm-hmm. who were segregated who in most places in the South, even as recently as the 1960s, were not only demonized, were still murdered, were, were, were basically treated in many ways as not humans, okay, yeah. in many places in this country. Do you agree with that? I do. I do. Sadly, so, I do. <laughs> so, so neither of us deny any of this, this reality, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that racism exists, it will continue to exist, that, that is a taint on our country. Of course, it's a taint on every society in the world, which is typically and conveniently forgotten. But nevertheless, we're not going to deflect. We're going to focus on this situation in America because mm-hmm. I think it's very important to establish what we believe before we venture into uh, the discussion of, let's just say, inconvenient realities that none of the people who are at the vanguard of you know, this sort of current civil rights movement, which in many ways is very corrupt, mm-hmm. want to acknowledge. Okay, so yep. so having said all of that, where we've agreed to agree, I want to ask you this question. Because here's the thing. The message that is coming out of not only George Floyd, but the message that we receive and have been receiving from the media and from the intelligentsia and from all of those who deign to lecture us on the ills of America, right, and the sins of our society, is that African Americans are under assault. And in fact, the reason that George Floyd has so resonated and has now dominated the news cycle for, what, 10 days and has led to riots is because people are being told that America is so racist. <laughs> that the justice system and the police themselves are murdering, mm-hmm. are murdering African American men and boys and women, presumably, mm-hmm. in ways that constitutes an epidemic. Do you agree that that's how this has been framed? That's how the media has portrayed this. That if you turned on the TV today, you would believe that if you just walk down the street, you're going to see a cop shooting a black man uh, every day. And, and that's what you hear. So you assume that's what's happening all right. the time. And in fact, you hear things like African-Americans need to tell their children. Uh, they give them the talk, right? Now, yep. now many aspects of the talk um, I, don't, I, I think are, prob- are true, right? For instance, that you may be scrutinized more than a white person in a particular neighborhood. And you may be pulled over in your car, and you may – receive all manner of either subtle or latent racism, bias, and I, and I agree with that, but I don't want to focus on that because I want to focus on the main message 
that is repeated over and over in our schools, by our media, which is the talk is you tell your African-American children that when you go outside, you need to be fearful because you are likely or at least possibly going to be killed by the police. Mm-hmm. Either that or you're likely to be killed or or harmed in some way by a white person, right? Yes. That, yes. Is, that is the current narrative. Yes. Now, the question I put to you, and, and I will tell you one of the reasons that I'm – I'm both saddened and angry uh, about a lot of aspects of this. Okay, you and I talk about our Christianity openly mm-hmm. on this on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I am hearing even from from well-intentioned uh, other Christians who have uncritically adopted this narrative. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and not only have they adopted it. But I am hearing from them that anyone who dissents from this, right, who raises some questions, for instance, we're going to talk about in a minute, about what is the evidence to support this? Is it, and a Christian should be concerned about this, is this in fact true, this narrative? And what you're basically told is if you if you have any inclination to say, can we have – a discussion about why this narrative is being promulgated, what facts support it, perhaps the facts don't support it. What you generally hear is you're being divisive, <laughs> you're not listening to suffering, you you do not have empathy, you do not have love for others, and you essentially need to reconsider um, your witness and your faith. I mean, all all, all these sorts of either expressed or very implicit insinuations. And so I think it is very important because, again, we're not going to get into some questions that are just not permitted. <laughs> Chad, is there any empirical evidence? Now, I know that and – and we're going to talk about what the evidence is. But mm-hmm. to your knowledge uh, – and by the way, let's also be clear. We're not talking about opinions. Right. I'm not here talking about what Sean Hannity happens to think or you know whatever – pick your, your Fox News conservative – person mm-hmm. who just is not woke enough to appreciate this. Yeah. I'm talking about the the objective statistics on crime in this country that are kept by the FBI, that are kept by the Department of Justice, that are easily accessible. In fact, if anyone is interested, you can find all of these statistics on a database mm-hmm. that links to those sources compiled by that noted bastion of racism <laughs> and conservative mouth-breathing, the Washington Post. Yes. Okay? So – if you want to fact check any part of this discussion relating to crime statistics, and of course there's some gray area as, as with everything, but nevertheless the major statistics are simply not in dispute, um, go to that database and have fun for hours <laughs> looking up all of the information. And here's the, here's the stark reality. Here's the truth that apparently is no longer permitted and has not been permitted for quite some time to be uttered. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, Chad, do you know how many – Unarmed African Americans were killed by police in 2019. Uh, was it 18? Something like that? 18? Was it nine. One? Nine. Okay. There were nine. There were 19, I believe, whites, white Americans. Okay. Who were killed by police? Well, they don't and, talk about and that. That ratio. They don't talk about that, do they? Well, again, so 
they don't they don't talk about that. And if you go back and look in 2018, uh, again, I don't I don't have any a screen in front of me right now. Right. So, but the numbers were very similar. There were more whites than blacks, and those numbers were were essentially in the low teens. Okay. okay? Now remember. What was the number of police interactions that you referenced 60, in a country of 320 million? 63 million in 2009. I can't imagine it went below, uh, but it's got to be sure. somewhere around 60 plus million per year. So we're talking, we're talking tens of millions in a country of 320 million, in a country of sinful people where there are crimes and gangs and drugs and violence or whatever else. And in 2019, Nine African-Americans unarmed were killed by police. I think the current statistics for 2020 through this year uh, were – and this is probably as of like a week or two ago, so they, I'm sure they may have changed slightly – was that as of the middle – almost the middle of this year, uh, 31 African-Americans had been killed by police. Mm. 42 or 43 white Americans had been killed. Uh, and of course the statistics are kept for Hispanics and – and Asians, and sure. but for purposes of this discussion, because these are the two major races at issue. So, when someone tells me and says to me, African American, I hear this kind of phrase, right? We're dying. Mm -hmm. We're dying out there. Now, George Floyd was killed atrociously, so. Yes. And um, I forget his first name, Mr. Aubrey. Yes. who was another one that has raised a lot of media attention, who was chased by the two vigilantes and, and killed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he was murdered as well. Mm -hmm. and, and those two should also receive justice. Right. Okay? But when someone says to you, you need to accept the fact, isn't it obvious, it's apparent, that African Americans are under siege, that the, their black bodies, right, brown and black bodies, to use <laughs> the language of, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates and others are, are being killed in America. Our friend, our acquaintance, um, who is a public intellectual, wrote on his blog the other day that African Americans are being lynched mm -hmm. in America. Yep. Okay. That was one of his. That was one of his leading headlines. And my question to you, Chad, is: Is that narrative true? As as with it, well as with anything, it's a matter of how you phrase it. We've talked about this many times about other things. If I say black men or black and brown bodies are in the street, that is factually accurate. Nine happened in 2019. So yes, yes. nine happened. So black is and brown bodies were. Is it truthful? Right. Is it truthful? However, in the way. That the media and, and actually most people could – the way that it is being presented mm -hmm. to the larger culture, to African-Americans themselves, to their children, is the narrative that there is an epidemic, disproportionate, um, malign, no. institutionalized effort, ongoing, racist murder, statistically significant, out of whack – epidemic crisis call it what you want in america is that narrative in any way shape or form based on the objective data true not even remotely and they know that when they say it and i want to point this out because you're talking about this proportionally and that's where the the part say there's more black and browns being killed than whites proportionally 
because they make up a smaller subsection of the population. But that's not, again, that's manipulating statistics to fashion a narrative that you want to fashion. So yes, it, you know, it doesn't take as many to have a higher percentage than it would for a different racial group. That's what you're hearing and that's what I'm being perceived. But you're right. When we hear it in the media or we hear it from people like our friend, it's really to say it's happening everywhere all the time. That's what your perception is based on the, how you it's portrayed. So yes, I, right. it's not and remotely I hear, true. I want to make a point. I want to make a point about the um, this comparison because what's going on is what they will say is, well, okay, blacks only make up thirteen percent of the population. Mm-hmm. I think that's about the, yeah, the current. That's about right. Yeah. And what they'll say is, what they'll say is, is that, well, their their arrests and the killings are disproportionate to their percentage of the population, but that is not the relevant comparison. What the relevant comparison is, is who are the people that are being arrested for committing crimes in this country? Because guess what? There's a whole bunch of white people, in fact, the vast majority, and a whole bunch of black people who are not involved in the criminal justice system because they're not committed crimes. When you look at the relevant comparison, which is those arrested for violent crime, those convicted for violent crime, the numbers become even more staggering because African Americans, while representing 13% of the population, I think in 2019 represented something along the line of 40 some percent of all violent crime, and mm-hmm. in fact, 50 some percent of all homicides. And if you look even closer, and again, you can find all of these statistics on the Washington Post database. On the FBI website, these are readily and publicly available. Chad and I are not making this up. Mm -hmm. This is not from the Alex Jones newsletter, but (laughs) you will never read about this. And and we need to discuss this if you're going to make the case to me that I need to assent to this narrative. And by the way, it's not even me. We're going to talk about why this is incredibly destructive to African Americans. If you look at the interracial crime statistics, meaning black on white, white on black, Mm-hmm. When you look at violent crimes perpetrated interracially, mm-hmm. the numbers are even starker. 85% blacks attack whites, 15% whites attacking African Americans. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you can, you can go down the list where I think there's even a statistic when you crunch the numbers proportionally that a police officer – is 18 times more likely to be killed by an African-American than an African-American is to be killed by a police officer. Right. Okay. So what, what is someone, so what I often hear in response to this is that, well, number one, it's just shut up, right? It's shut up. <laughs> um, you're a racist, et cetera. It's the name calling. Mm-hmm. But what I also hear is this idea that it's, it's almost become an article of faith that somehow those numbers don't mean anything because this is sort of true to people who are African Americans and therefore you just not to question this. Right? <laughs> You're just because it's an article, it's an article of faith. Mm-hmm. And and let's also be clear. If an African American says to you, This is my personal life experience, and I have been harassed by the police and I have experienced racism and brutality, 
neither you nor I are in a position to question anything about that. Right. 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 I can't I can't question another man or another woman's life experience. And I believe that many of them and certainly their ancestors have experienced horrific things that you and I will never experience. Mm -hmm. But that is a different issue than saying, so if you come to me and say, do you not believe that I've experienced racism? Of course I do. If you're telling me you did, of course I believe that. And it's horrible. Right. But if you're then telling me to assent to the idea that therefore, because my personal experience represents this larger trend, you should also accept uncritically. And in fact, somehow apologize for your metaphysical role in this, <laughs> that African-Americans are being institutionally and systemically killed by police and by white Americans. It's at that point when I say, I'm sorry, brother, that is not true. Right. And that is not a matter of opinion. That is a matter of fact. And we have lost the ability in this country because it's no longer permitted. And we're going to talk, I hope, a little bit about Drew Brees and other people who have <laughs> had the temerity yeah. right, to, um, to say something that goes against the mob, that we've lost the ability to even have a rational conversation about this. Mm -hmm. And I, I read you – know, I, I saw an impassioned – a couple of impassioned videos by Christians um, – some of whom were, were white, some of whom were African-American. And, and the, the, the unifying theme is Christians should be, just like Jesus Christ, should be outraged by injustice. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yes. Christians should be willing to speak out in the face of injustice. I agree. Absolutely. Christians should be extending love and compassion. I agree. But the interesting thing is that where is the discussion of whether Christians are supposed to be actually talking about the truth? Because that doesn't seem – well, let's put it this way. There's different versions of what the truth happens Yeah, to I was going to say that. And in my view – now, look, th this is not a conversation to be had when you are talking to someone who is grieving, mm -hmm. someone who's an African-American brother or sister who wants to talk about um, their experience in this country where they have suffered things that you and I perhaps – can't contemplate. That's not that is not the time nor the place for doing that, right? Mm -hmm. That is a time and the place to listen and to console and to come alongside. But the one of the things that have you ever heard this before? Well, they'll they'll in fact my wife and she and I have disagreements about this. It's fair enough. My wife is incredibly wise and more spiritually wise than I am in many respects. But one of the things that she will say is, well, why does there always have to be a but with you? <laughs> Meaning we're talking about George Floyd. Yeah. And I said – and all I said to her was, if you're asking me, if you're asking me do I – all the things that you and I agreed on about George Floyd, if you're asking me to limit my conversation to those truisms about the horror of that and the injustice, there is no but, mm -hmm. none whatsoever. Mm -hmm. The conversation is never left at that, though, because what the next request and demand inevitably is, is therefore – you must also agree with me when I tell you that America is irredeemably racist and that African-Americans are being killed by police in epidemic proportions. And at that point in time is when I say, uh, but no. <laughs> do you agree with that? I, I do, and I think that's the – I think there's two different types of people. There's the people who are emotionally caught up in what's going on, and I think we're seeing that somewhat in our streets. There are those – Groups who feel, 
use the Knicks as an example. Um, there were opinion polls in New York City that James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, had not come out and spoken out against George Floyd's killing because everybody apparently has to come out and say, we don't approve of killing people. And it seems almost ludicrous, but we're getting back to, and I'm not comparing the two, but when COVID-19 hit, you got emails and information from every company you'd ever done business with telling you how much cleaning they were doing. Well, I'm starting to get emails from all these companies telling me how much they appreciate the different races and how they support Black Lives Matter and how they, they're, they're, they're donating money to all these different causes. I'm like, what, what are you doing exactly other than trying to look like you care? And I'm getting it from a, a bidet company. A bidet company is sending me an email telling me how they're donating money to uh, black causes and, and social justice uh, situations. And it, it gets, that's where you, it comes off the rails for me. There's, there's, there's justice for George Floyd, and then there's an opportunity to push an agenda on the back of George Floyd, uh, who may or may not have supported those things, but now because he's the, the token martyr, now we get all this other stuff that that's where the butt comes in for me. They're two different things. And why does one have to be connected to the other? George Floyd should get justice. His family should get justice for what occurred to him. I don't really care about a bidet company and what you're doing. It does, that has no impact on lives other than for you to see your bona fides uh, to the rest of the world. Am I wrong? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, so we should also talk about the rioting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm glad you called it what it is. Now has <laughs> well, sure. The looting, the rioting, the, the targeted assassination of police officers, the murder, mm -hmm. um, because all of that has gone on in the last 10 days, but despite the fact that there's an effort to euphemistically deny that that's, that's happening. Yeah. So the question becomes, um, I think one of, again, the more disturbing and saddening things that I have seen, and again, I see this not only from the secular media, but, but sadly also in, in sort of the area of, of, of Christians, where there is now somehow an effort to explain away, to justify what we have seen going on in this country for the last 10 days or so because, well, people are upset. And they're grieving, and so this is somehow either uh, no lamentable, but understandable, or even worse. And this is actually, I think, just as common. People saying this is completely justified and warranted because this is how we enact social change. What is your what is your view and your perspective on what we have seen? Oh, and by the way. The media has done its best to not show us actually the full extent of what is going on. And I would encourage mm. people um, – this has not been some – the narrative is usually – it's a bunch of – you know, it's a few people, few people who are in the minority among the group. No, it's not. Now, this has been a major, major undertaking across, what, two dozen cities yeah. with – I forget the current toll, and you'll never see it in the media, 450-some police officers injured, some mm -hmm. dead, what, five or six murdered. Yeah. So what is your perspective on what you have seen in the aftermath of this? 
as far as accurate reporting or as far as what's really happening? The, just like the rioting. Is there, is, there, is there a justification for this behavior? No. So I, I think back, in, and I wasn't alive in the 60s, so I can't speak to the, the riots in the 60s. Uh, I go back to the Rodney King verdict in Los Angeles in 92. And while I don't, I don't agree with what happened there, at least there appeared to be a kernel of reason for it. Now, it certainly went out of control and went way off the rails, probably what it was intended. But there was a perception that white cops got off for beating a black man in the street, it was on video, and, and they should have been convicted, and, and people were upset. George Floyd was killed. It was reprehensible. The cops were fired. They've been charged with um, different degrees of murder, and yet there are people rioting for justice. And I question what justice they want, because I believe their justice is we take these cops out and we kill them in the street. And we should kill all the cops because, because you're seeing vast movements from celebrities and from uh, political activists saying we need to defund police departments. Because if we get rid of police right. departments, good things will happen, which I don't think they understand what the police departments are doing. But I don't believe the version of justice that we see all these signs for. While I understand the L.A. riots in 92, these riots, again, are happening in cities that aren't Minneapolis, as well as Minneapolis. They're happening, I guess I don't know what the expectation is from the people rioting and i don't mean protesting because protests happen uh for a specific period of time in a specific location they don't you don't get to occupy a city destroy everything around you and call it a peaceful protest that that's not how this works so it is a riot these are people gone crazy and when you're looting i don't know how that that speaks to your social justice uh motives yeah. uh because that's isn't just that, steal, that stealing yeah that's just stealing. Well, sorry. So, so, so in my view, in my view, anyone, well, there's really two, two sides to this coin. Mm -hmm. um, there, again, there's some that basically take the position that you just can't expect any better because these people, this is sort of the systemic racism argument, right? Which is yeah. that these people have been placed in a situation over generations where they are essentially trapped in these urban hell holes. And because of because of the you know white supremacy over many many decades, this is how they, they it's it's unfortunate, but how do you expect them to react? And my response to that, and I had this conversation with one of my best friends mm -hmm. uh, the other day, who I greatly respect, is one of the smartest people that I know, and and really I always kind of double check myself, uh, even though we we politically differ on certain things. But I mean, he basically made the comment that look. I don't really blame these people because we, we treat them with disdain, generational dependency. They're trapped in these, you know, urban ghettos, um, and now you, you want to blame them for doing this. And my response to that is, in many ways, I'm not accusing him of being a racist, but the point is, is that that attitude takes all moral agency away from any of these people, mm -hmm. and basically says. You are not responsible as a human being for any of your actions. You're entitled. You're entitled by virtue of the fact of your, I guess, you know, animal instincts <laughs> that because you're, you're enraged, justifiably so, 
that you're going to run around and pump beat people, right? Burn homes and businesses to the ground, assault police, assault bystanders, and you get a sort of get out of jail, not even get out of jail. You're not even judged by any type of moral standard for that behavior. And I just fundamentally disagree with that attitude. I think that, first of all, you made the point. I don't know what – I can't put a percentage on it, but the people that you see in the streets, of course, you have the Antifa goons right, who are, who are just there. There are people there. If you're looting a Target, if you're smashing windows of a bakery and you're mm-hmm. stealing TVs, you care nothing about George Floyd. Mm-hmm. You don't, you're not there because you're upset that an African-American was killed in a horrifying way. You're just there to watch the world burn and to loot to your heart's content because this is what makes you happy. So those people, the idea that they're somehow doing this because they're upset about George Floyd is laughable. They're just criminals who are opportunistically engaging in chaos and violence because that's what they prefer to do. I don't know if they all you prefer that. With that. I don't know that I, I don't no, know if they all I, prefer, I think some do. I don't think they all. I think it's an opportunistic. If you tell me that you're mourning. If you tell me no. that you're mourning and enraged by no. George Floyd, no. and in me, and while you're telling me this, you're burning out a minority-owned business nope. in nope. Minneapolis or in Cleveland. You're lying I, I because be- you're doing nothing. You're doing nothing to honor George no. Floyd, and in no. fact, you're harming the very people that you claim to care about. I think there's reason and there's excuse, and I think. This George, if they if they're saying I'm doing this because of George Floyd, that's an excuse to for their behavior. It's not the reason they're doing this. And if they're trying to tell you that, most of them are lying through their teeth. I want to read something from Red State because I think this is germane to what we're talking about. Uh, this is about the Ben and Jerry's uh, you know, social justice warrior <laughs> signal. Um, and here's what they part of their statement. Uh, The murder of George Floyd was the result of inhumane police brutality that is perpetuated by a culture of white supremacy. What happened to George Floyd was not the result of bad apples or bad apple. It was a predictable consequence of a racist and prejudiced system and culture that has treated black bodies as the enemy from the beginning. What happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis is the fruit born of toxic seeds on the shores of our country. Now, you may, our listeners may know this, they may not, I know you do. Every single leader in this situation in Minnesota is a Democrat, progressive in most cases. There hasn't been a leader in the wildly so. There hasn't been a a Republican uh, mayor of Minneapolis since 1957, before most of the people we're talking about were even born, was the last time there was a Republican in charge of anything in Minnesota. Yet, they are not getting any of the blame. And, and so, so we understand each other. The police chief of Minneapolis is a black man. So we're saying it's a culture of racism, toxic racism, systemic racism in, in an area. Now, there's other places in the country. But if you look, it's almost exclusively Democratic strongholds. So all these people are getting no blame while Donald Trump, who has condemned it, has sent the Department of Justice to investigate, 
has moved things swifter than you thought was possible to get things moving. He is condemned for being a racist and a divisive president, yet every single leader is getting no blame for anything that's happening at all. It's all Donald Trump's fault. And, and that goes to our buddy who has his blog who would like to blame Donald Trump for literally everything that has ever happened in the world before and after his birth and death. It would be always Donald Trump's fault. Well, it's a, it's, it's a very good point, and you can extend it further, which is that if you look at any of the cities where the massive rioting has gone on, and we know all of them, all of the blue urban centers, Detroit and Atlanta and Chicago and Oakland, this prevails in all of them. And not only are there, in many cases, African-Americans in positions of leadership in the police force and in the local government, but as you said, the people that have run these cities for decades, mm-hmm. okay, we're talking 30, 40, 50, 60 years, mm-hmm. have been all in on woke, multicultural Black Lives Matter, you name it. And so the question, which it sounds like is being raised in that article, is, well, wait a minute. All of the things that you're saying that should be implemented right, in order to combat systemic racism so that we can stop these kind of incidents, why haven't all of those things been in place for the last 40 years in every one of these urban ghettos, mm-hmm. and why – If these people have been in charge, do they have no responsibility for this still going on? And in fact, in Minneapolis, let's talk just very quickly. You want to talk about a police department that at least from the outside looks like it has some major problems. Mm -hmm. This is the third. This is the third, in in many ways, completely unjustified police murder. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say murder. That that connotes intentionality. Police killing of a minority that has happened there in what, the last three years? Yep. You had the Castile shooting, and then you had the officer's name is Noor. Mm-hmm. I forget the, the name of the poor woman who he shot from his squad car mm-hmm. as she unarmed approached the vehicle. So I, why is it that our intrepid media is not asking all manner of questions about what in the world is going on in deepest blue Minnesota run by an uber-left governor and an uber-left mayor, interestingly, and I think you know this, um, VP, recently VP candidate Klobuchar <laughs> was the district attorney mm-hmm. for Hennepin County, okay, which is the area exactly where George Floyd was killed mm-hmm. for, I believe, seven or eight years. And in fact, her tenure completely overlapped with that of the officer who killed Floyd, Mr. Chauvin. Why hasn't any member of our frothing-at-the-mouth press seen fit to find Ms. Klobuchar and say – because here's the other thing that we know about Mr. Chauvin, the officer. He has an extensive history of complaints having been filed against him for excessive force. In fact, I think he was even reprimanded in some way. In other words, this guy has a track record mm-hmm. of engaging in behavior that suggests – that he is an abusive officer. And I'm not, I'm not commenting on the merits of those complaints. I don't sure. know the facts. But nevertheless, circumstantially, this guy has a history where people have claimed he has done this sort of thing, not killed someone, but exceeded his authority, 
many times, mm -hmm. and yet he was never prosecuted. Now, maybe he shouldn't have been, but do you think a single member of our media who have spent the last 10 days yammering nonstop about this would put a microphone in front of Klobuchar, who again nope. was on the short list to be a vice presidential candidate to Biden for the Democratic Party and say, you were there on the ground, you were in charge of this guy, why in the world was this guy never dealt with? Yep. I don't know. I don't know what she would say, but you'd think the question might be asked. You would ask that question, and you brought up Amy Klobuchar. Both senators are Democrats, and Ilhan Omar represents part of the city. So we obviously know what some of the city thinks. It, it is fascinating to me that every time one of these bozos screws up, and I think Waltz has done, again, our buddy seems to think Waltz is a true leader, along with CNN, yet he can't seem to get out of his own way every single time he speaks. He seems like a used car salesman to me. But you're right. Yeah. There's there's no well, there's no accountability. He mounts all the platitudes. Oh yeah. I mean, this is the guy. This Words. is the guy that essentially withdrew. They they withdrew from the police uh, building mm -hmm. and allowed it to be essentially burned to the ground. Yeah. And and certainly indicates a level of acceptance of this sort of behavior because again, yeah. Well, what was the famous quote by Baltimore's mayor in the wake of? Um, uh, Freddie Gray, right? Yeah. They need space to destroy. Yeah. That attitude to me is incomprehensible. Now, here's another here's another thing that we need to talk about, mm -hmm. because this gets back to sort of as a Christian how we think about these things. Okay. So the constant narrative that African Americans and their children are targets, they're hunted by police in this country. That has incredibly destructive, poisonous consequences, um, not only for race relations, okay, not only for relations with police, but also within the African-American community itself. Because, Chad, you know what? If you're someone that grows up in an environment where all you're told every day is that you are oppressed, you are hated by the police, they want to kill you, and in fact, people that look like you are being killed all the time. What do you think is the result? The result is what we have seen in many cases for the last 10 days. So it matters a lot that this false narrative is constantly propagated because it fans the flames of racial division and racial sure. hatred sure. in a way that nothing else does. And one of the tragedies about it is this goes back to the statistics. If you're going to be killed in America as an African-American, and let's just pick an African-American male between the ages of 18 and 35, who is overwhelmingly statistically likely to be the person that kills you? What is the color of their skin? The answer to that question is an objective fact, and it's another African-American. Yeah. Now, Again, this is not something that can be said in polite society. This is something that will get you cast into outer darkness. If you want to hear a very, very interesting conversation on this between two African-American intellectuals, I would encourage somebody to 
look up the podcast. Um, it's Glenn Lowry, L-O-U-R-Y, and John McWhorter. Uh, Mr. McWhorter is a brilliant – they're both brilliant men. Mr. McWhorter is a historical linguist. He teaches at Columbia. Uh, by self-description, I believe he is, calls himself a cranky liberal Democrat. He, he disdains uh, to his core Donald Trump, but he writes very uh, compellingly about what he calls the religion of anti-racism in America, and he makes very, very interesting points about how this has almost become – the idea that you must, as a white person, um, attest your bona fides, right? Mm-hmm. Virtue signal that you are an anti-racist. That this is this has become an irrational, uh, religious-like fundamentalist movement that has nothing to do with the actual facts. And what Mr. Lowry points out during the podcast is exactly the point that I was making, which is you telling African Americans to fear and hate the police is is objectively uh, not only untruthful, but it is horrendous in the fact that the people that are being preyed upon in these blighted communities, they need the police. The police are the only thing that are standing between them and their kids and drugs and gangs mm-hmm. and all manner of yeah. violence and depravity. And so you're telling a community of people who needs the police they're your enemy. Yeah, That is um, – it's despicable. That's what it is. It is, and <clears throat> I, I saw this tweet on uh, Twitter today uh, from Bethany Mandel. She said, they killed tens of thousands of seniors in nursing homes. Her opinion, not saying that's what happened. They won't let us go out of our homes for months. They've destroyed the economy, and now if you don't do what they've been telling us not to do all this time, to gather with other people, we're irredeemable racists because you don't go out and protest. So I, I saw an article yesterday. You can not be a racist, but if you're not anti-racist as you're alluding to then you're just as bad as the racist because you're not out there actively uh protesting you're not out there actively donating money to the causes that are trying to fight injustice you are a racist by not being uh a protester and i saw (laughs) i saw a chalk drawing so at, at my senior high school uh, because they couldn't have graduation, the seniors were putting chalk drawings in their parking spaces in the in the parking lot, and they're all, you know, where I'm going to go in the future, what I've done, thanks for all the memories, blah blah blah. One said, "White silence equals black death." Simplistic, but yeah, that, that was the only the only political well, yeah. one. And right, and again, it's simplistic, and and of course, it you know it reads well in a hashtag, but. Sure. What, what I like to ask people is, well, what, what specifically are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay, so in other words, tell me what you think should be done. Now, if, again, and, and if we talk about, well, you should, you should immediately admit that George Floyd's murder was an atrocity. I, admit I that. agree. Yep. Um, I, you, you, I agree that the police officer should be prosecuted, all of that. But ultimately, what you always get to is you need to sign on. Mm-hmm. to our project, mm-hmm. okay? And the project is the standard litany of things, uh, Black Lives Matter, yeah. and, you know, Black Lives Matter. Th- this is now also accepted that you must simply, you know, you got to wear your Black Lives Matter T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I absolutely agree that African-American lives matter, but that organization, particularly at the top, 
in its leadership um, is is a fundamentally hateful organization. Now you may say, how could you say that? Just read about Mr. McKesson. Read about the things that leaders of that organization have said about white Americans, have said about police. I mean, they have literally instigated assassination against police. That's not an exaggeration. Right. So when you, you tell me, Tony, please step up and in, assure us that you are 100% behind Black Lives Matter, my response to that is going to be, well, no thank you, and you need to specify exactly what causes you think that I'm going to be championing. There are a lot of very well-intentioned people who have become sort of part of that organization, okay? Right. And, and if, if, the, if the effort is to simply say, particularly as Christians, we need to reach out to our African-American brothers and sisters, we need to listen to them and not talk, that's a good lesson for me. My wife always says, and she's right in many <laughs> cases, I don't listen well. That's true. Uh, so all of those things are good. We need to be compassionate. We need to actually get out of our our uh, cultural enclaves, reach out to other communities. All of those things, absolutely true. But if you're telling me that I'm signing on to the Black Lives Matter political project, no, I won't. I won't, and I will, and I will openly say that much of that project is destructive and hateful. And I'm sorry if that if that hurts people's feelings, but, but that's that's simply the reality. Again, you're not allowed to say that. One of the segue into you saw what happened to um, there was a um, there's a couple of people, but I forget which NBA franchise. I think it was an NBA franchise. Longtime broadcaster. Yeah, oh, I think the, it was Kings. the Kings. Yep. And he was on he was on a podcast with Demarcus Cousins, who's an NBA player, uh, kind of a, an activist, very you know social social justice woke. Uh, African-American, obviously. And this man who, again, has been in the league, you know, upstanding guy, 30 years doing this job. And in response to some question about Black Lives Matter, he said, you know, I fervently believe that all lives matter. Well, of course, in uh, now that in the sort of uh, East German uh, commune that we live in, that is not permitted. That is crime thing. Right. And the, the crime of saying that this man's career is now over. He has been fired. Well, he resigned, um, but I think he was going to be fired, but yes. He was, he resigned, but I think he was asked to resign. Tony? Oh, did I lose Tony? Career. Uh, we lost you there for a second, buddy. Can you hear me now? I can. <laughs> I said, um, what I was saying is, what I was saying is that this trend now, where you don't agree with the hive mind, you don't repeat the scriptures. I mean, you're getting fired because you say all lives matter. That's insane to me. I, well, I mean, what is your reaction to that? Well, I I read an article about this yesterday, um, trying to explain to people why saying all lives matter is bad and. It basically came down to by saying all lives matter or blue lives matter or whatever, you are diminishing the issue. It's not that all lives don't matter. It's that right now we've got to focus on the black lives that matter because they're the ones being systematically killed in the streets. So when you say all lives matter, what you're saying is shut up, idiot. All lives matter. 
you're no you're no more special than we are. But I, I, I would contend when you say Black Lives Matter, aren't you saying the same thing? That this is more important than your thing, and people try to equate it to many different things, but it, it basically came down to we're in ascendance, listen to us, we know what's best, and this is the this is the focus of our of our energy right now. So you need to focus on that and, and don't don't get distracted by other things. We're important right now and we're we're hurting as a community. So you need to just buck up and, and be on our side right now because things happened in the past and you know we need to address that right now. That's I think it's it's divisive to say stuff like that. To me. I mean it, you you we hear from the Obama's acolytes that he's so nuanced and so so giving and he came out and said let's just get back to work let's let's do things but i've said this from the beginning since trump before trump was elected i i don't listen to what politicians say i hear what they say and it can be divisive and it can be horrible and it, and, and trump is guilty of this in many occasions but i watch what you do don't listen to what you say. I, I prioritize your actions over your words. Not because words don't have meaning, because they do, and not because actions are the whole person. But when, when you tell me I'm inclusive as you're dividing us along racial and socioeconomic lo, uh, lines, I don't believe that you're not being divisive. Telling me you're not being divisive doesn't mean you're not being divisive. And I think there's too many people right. in the in the public sphere who want to tell you how Donald Trump is divisive. And I can see that perspective because there's things that we've said over and over again. Stop tweeting. Just shut up and stop tweeting because you're you're just making a mess of things. Uh his his clearing of Lafayette Park or AG Barr's clearing of Lafayette Park uh was justified from what I can read, but that's not how it's being portrayed. That's not how Jim Acosta tried to push it, push the narrative in the white house press briefing. They needed to be cleared. And again, it goes back to just because you can peaceably assemble and protest doesn't mean you get to occupy uh, right up on the gates of the, of the uh, white house and throw things at the secret service and, and the park security because you feel like it, because you're upset. That doesn't give you that right to do those things. So when you're cleared away, you know, I think there's a perimeter. And they said that Trump is being couched as, oh, he hid in the White House basement because he was afraid. But Joe Biden came out and he spoke in Philadelphia. Hasn't Joe Biden been hiding in his basement for three months? But that's not being talked about. Uh, it's all about what the narrative wow. is. And, and Trump going to the Episcopal Church and hold up a Bible. Maybe it was a dog whistle for the evangelicals. I don't know. I don't care. I have not considered the sidewalk outside of a building to be sacred ground, but apparently if you're anywhere in the vicinity or site of a church and you're Donald Trump, you're supposed to burst into flame because you're Donald Trump. Uh, and I, I think that takes the yeah. Christian narrative well, I, to, I well, you, you can't I be a Christian I, to me. Yes. Our, our, well, you and I have documented all of the ways in which, uh, it doesn't matter what he does. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's wrong by definition. So it, it almost becomes 
I, I'm literally sort of exhausted even talking about. Like, again, <laughs> there's many, many things that we could talk about Donald Trump does wrong. Yeah. But, but I simply I, – I, I will no longer listen to people that literally you know, Donald Trump woke up, and so that was wrong. And then Donald Trump ate breakfast, and that was wrong. It, it, it literally has become so farcical that everything that he does is the worst. Uh, that I just again, most people I think don't even pay attention to it anymore. The the legitimate criticisms are lost in the Trump derangement, and right. that's what it's become. I want to make I want to make one point, sort mm-hmm. of a, not really a tangent, but but I think we have to talk about this. So, and it relates to George Floyd and the protests. Now, I want you to harken back to the days of your oh I don't know like three weeks ago uh-huh. when. Um, you remember when many Americans, many of them, I would say, blue-collar, red-state Americans, were protesting. By the way, actually protesting, not looting, not rioting, not burning, not assaulting, not murdering, protesting uh, the fact that these shutdowns were, in many cases, ruining their livelihoods, destroying their businesses, preventing them from putting food on the table. And Chad, why don't you sum up for me uh, what the what the reaction was to those protests uh, <laughs> by our thought leaders, and in particular, and in particular by our science public health experts. What was the general consensus about? Oh. What were we told about those protests? Well, they didn't social distance, and they weren't all wearing masks. You know, they weren't practicing yes. good uh, social distancing practices. Yeah, ironic, they isn't were, it? And, and in- <laughs> Well, here's the thing. So specifically, we were told in no uncertain terms, not only were they selfish, they were irresponsible, they were reckless, they were killing people, right? And, and, and the argument was made in many of our leading institutions, including, of course, the inestimable New York Times and Washington Post, that, and the people that were going to be most likely to be killed were, you get one guess, Chad, <laughs> yes, African-Americans yep. because, I, I don't know, because. Because racist, well, right? because all the protesters are Trump supporters and therefore racist by nature because they're Trump supporters. That's the rationale. Right. So, so we were we we were inundated with, uh, you know, them being abominated by all of the people who love science and love data and just want everyone to be safe. Let's fast forward to now. Mm-hmm. So now we have not just protests, but literally rioting and destruction and chaos in the streets involving thousands. And not just, not just the rioting, you have blue state governors proudly marching shoulder yes. to shoulder yeah. with all of these protesters. And what I'm assuming, because I know that people have some level of intellectual honesty and integrity, um, that they have been told this is very selfish and reckless and in fact, you're killing people by being out in these numbers without social distancing and wearing masks. Isn't that what's been said, Chad? Completely. Completely. I, I saw a post. Some, some guy Actually, put a picture up. Well, some guy put a post up with his picture of, of all these people out rioting and marching, whatever. He said, my mother died and I can only bring 10 people to the funeral. But yet this is OK. You know, how is, how is yes. this OK, and but so that's bad? Here's. Here's the question, and now, so now here's the, the, the conclusion to this, which is even more infuriating and yet also laughable. If you go on Politico and a couple other places now today, what have the, again, our neutral, uh, empirically dedicated 
It's all about the science, public health officials. What are they now telling us about the protests and all these people being out there? You know what? They're, they're literally – these are people who are supposedly professionals, trained in their field. They're now literally saying, oh, well, sure, the pandemic is important, but you know what? Protesting for racial justice more important. So never mind. Exactly. If there is not, if there is not something that that hammers home, I'm not. I'm not talking about the disease, the virus itself, but I'm talking about the the politicized response to this. If you are someone who is in the medical field, who told people three weeks ago that if you go out and if you're next to people and if you cough on them, you're literally potentially causing people to die. And you said that with a straight face. And now this week, you have completely done a 180 because of your ideological commitment to racial justice. Again, I'm not talking about philosophical things here. You're supposedly a medical professional, right? The nation is relying on you for information, and your position now is, eh, you know what? It's okay because we care about racial justice. You are a hack. You are a disgrace. And yeah. I, I'm, I mean, that may sound harsh, but literally think of what they're saying here. There were people that were being arrested. There's a father who's trying to play with his daughter in a park, who's yeah. putting handcuffs. There are people that are not permitted to attend church services. There are people that were trying to cut people's hair who were hauled into court, who were fined thousands of dollars, all on the basis of the science that you're putting people's lives at risk. Three weeks later, when there are thousands of people congregating, the response of the public health official is, oh, no, don't worry. That's okay because we agree with that cause. Talk about contemptible. Well, and, and that's where we that's where we are because people – it's a double standard as long as it suits their purposes, and that's unfortunate because it shouldn't be that way, but and it I is. Wish I, was making, I wish I was making this up. I wish I was making this up. But the corollary to this, there's another article. I, I, I literally, I'm not making this up. This sounds like something that Dave Barry would write. Yeah. The same experts, in addition to now saying never mind, have literally put together a letter signed by all these supposed credentialed experts. Wait for this. To say it's it's very bad to use tear gas because COVID. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. That makes sense. Because you know why? Because it causes it cause, no, because it causes people to cough. Now, again, never mind the rioters and the protesters who are already supposedly risking people's death and their own death. No, no. What they're concerned about is that you know what, the tear gas is bad. You should stop with the tear gas. I, I mean, are these people? They must think that everyone is fundamentally an idiot. Right. The lemmings are so stupid they can't see through this. Well, if you wanted to do anything more to demonstrate that everything that you had previously said is a joke, this is what they are now demonstrating. Don't listen to me because I'm not actually a professional. I'm just an activist who wears a mask all day and is in a hospital or is in a research lab. I mean, it, it, it is so beyond disgraceful and laughable that you couldn't even make this up. Um, I, I don't even know what to say about that. It's just mind-boggling. Well, 
I, I guess I don't get surprised anymore by all this stuff that happens because it just seems like every day is a new day in lowness um, for what's reported out there. And, and the expectation, I, I guess it feels like you're not allowed to have your own opinion anymore. You're, you have to, you have to go along with what the majority says because the majority says it, you know, which is ironic because this is the same group of people who said, well, you know, other people's opinions matter, not just yours, except only theirs matter or seem to. Well, maybe we can end on this and, and it's not a happy note. This hasn't been a happy program. Here's a, here's a prediction. And, and I think I predict this based on recent history. Um, Keith Ellison. This is another. This is another sort of entertaining part of it. Keith Ellison, the the uh, Louis Farrakhan disciple, the mm-hmm. anti-Semite, the man who apologizes for Hamas. Right. This is the man who is now spearheading as the Attorney General the prosecution. He's not going to do it, but he's you know he's the public front-facing individual. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been. In, you know, they have now charged Chauvin uh, with basically a manslaughter charge, but also uh, a, a charge of, I, I believe it's like third degree. I don't know in Minnesota how they categorize their their crimes, but essentially intentional murder, right. okay, which, which, carries, which carries obviously a longer sentence. Here's my prediction, because as, as awful as that video is and as convinced I am that this guy needs to go away, you may have great difficulty getting a jury – on a beyond reasonable doubt standard to convict a guy of intentional murder. Now, that's very, very difficult. So here's, here's, my, here's my sort of depressing prediction. If no matter what verdict is handed down, but in particular, if they don't get a jury to convict on the more serious charge, what do you think is going to happen, say, whenever that occurs in you know four, five, six months? There will be a repeat. Oh, yeah. It'll be worse. It'll be worse. The people who are on the fence about rioting will also be out rioting. Guaranteed. You know, we saw this in the Baltimore riot, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so if you remember Freddie Gray, mm-hmm. um, the, the DA down there and the mayor completely overcharged all of these people. In fact, they were all essentially, the cases were dismissed. Most of the officers were African-American, even though this was again held up as a sign of endemic perpetual racism and because they so grotesquely overcharged and all the cases fell apart we then had days of destruction and rioting and most of the harm being done to minority communities right and we're going to see the same thing happen again yes that is that is my prediction unfortunately i i unfortunately i agree with your prediction and i think it's it, it doesn't make sense to me now like i said earlier on Justice is being followed, but I don't think what they want is justice. I think they want a lynching. They want they want an eye for an eye. They want they want to get their pound of flesh out of this. They don't really care about justice because justice says we arrest them, we give them a legal defense, we go through the process of a trial, and a jury of their peers gets to decide their fate. That's not what they want. That's not what these people in the street are asking for, regardless of what they say on their signs, that's not what they want. They want these four officers to be killed and they want it to be public and they want to see it and they want to cheer it. Like the, the Roman Coliseum well, of old. Even that. I mean, it's, it's not even about the four officers. It's, it's actually about, they seek a fundamental transformation of this country. Yeah. Uh, they, they want most of what this country represents to be torn down. Yes. Uh, 
unclear, unclear what they think it will be replaced with. And I think they would be very, very uh, unhappy with that reality if it were come to pass, the whole let's abolish the police. <laughs> uh, they don't want a state of nature. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. But most of them either don't care or are in environs like in Hollywood where they don't have to worry about that stuff because they're safe behind their gates and their security cameras and their and their guards. And so they have these sort of, you know, these grenades about, yeah, let's just sort of police without without conflict for some period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll end on that. Not not the happiest uh endings, but this show wasn't designed to be real happy. Uh it was just designed to get you some information. If you already knew that, great. If you didn't, I hope you learned something and if you pass it along. And if you disagree with us, please please give us a call and tell us why you disagree with us. Uh, and make it a reasoned yeah, argument, more, more not a, happy. yeah, not a, you know, make it, make it reasoned or make it reasoned or unreasoned. More well, than happy to, um, as they always say, we need to have a conversation. So yeah. let's, let's have a conversation. Yeah. And, and, and understand if you call in and it's clean, I'll probably put it on. Uh, if you, you know, that, that's, that's the, that's the thing. If you, you call me and leave a message and it's, not dirty and, and foul, then we'll probably put it on. Even if we disagree with you, I'll still put it on. Uh, we can have that discussion. So give us a call. Tell us what you think. Uh, I hope we didn't offend anybody. And uh, this episode is uh, dedicated to our buddy who's recovering from surgery. I hope he's feeling great and he's uh, back out hunting soon. So I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. <laughs> This has been a Hannah Tree production.